Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Wow, I, I think even he was delayed in traffic. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this is probably going to be the most controversial thing I ever say, I've ever said on this program. Think of it. Now stop thinking of it. The, um, the idea that some people's physical fitness routines should uh, paralyze an entire city is a, a novel one, but it seems to be gaining acceptance across the country. And uh, frankly, I can't wait for swimmers to ask for similar privileges, you know, when they want to do a, a long-distance swimming thing. Can we fill the city streets with water? Why, why do we have to be in a pool? I know here in New Orleans there's a city agency that can fill the streets with water. Whether you want it or not, we can all go sewage and waterboarding. But, um, and I was going to start the program today by saying how after one of the first two evenings of real carnival time, how great New Orleans is. And I, I was really going to mean it until um, they, you know, the nice thing about the city, uh, city this size, you really can cut it totally in half with a marathon route. And they did. So um, a little bit belatedly, but uh, right on time for you with uh, a hat tip to the most hallmarky holiday of all coming up this week. Hello, welcome to the show. From New Orleans, Louisiana, where everything stops 
for a marathon. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show now. News of smart houses. Well, you gotta you gotta watch your light bulbs, ladies and gentlemen. You just think they're light bulbs sitting up there? No, they're a front in the uh, cyber war. CNET reports that Zigbee, two E's. These are the these are the bees that are going to survive. Zigbee's Zigbee is one of the wireless protocols that smart home devices commonly use to talk to each other. Yes, they're talking. They their their conversation may be better than ours for all we know. Now a new report from the security research firm Checkpoint brings to uh, mind a vulnerability with those Zigbee transmissions. It could allow a hacker who's just got a laptop, to get into your home network from as far as 100 meters away. Why, that should take a marathon runner no time at all. The attack in question exploits the signals sent between Philips Hue, H-U-E, smart bulbs, one of a number of high-profile smart home devices that communicate via Zigbee. Ooh, that's smarts. See, that's why they call it. A hacker with a laptop and a Zigbee antenna tricks the system into kicking a bulb off of the network, then implants that bulb with malicious code. If the user deletes the suddenly unresponsive bulb from the app and attempts to repair with it, they'll spread that malware from the bulb to the Hue Bridge. Hi, I'm Hue Bridge with the new... The central Philips Hue control device, which you wire to your router. That ain't good. That's basically... An intrusion. Checkpoint sent their findings to Signify. That's the company that owns the Philips Hue brand. You would think it would be Philips, but that's so 20th century. And uh, plans to release does Checkpoint a full report on the vulnerability once manufacturers have had time to issue a patch for it. Yes, your light bulbs need a patch. No, it won't go over the... You'll still see... Signify has a firmware fix ready to go today. So Philips Hue users or users not ho- want to be sure to download and install the patch from the settings section of the app for your friggin' light bulbs. Along with Philips Hue, other popular smart home devices that use Zigbee include Amazon Echo Plus, Echo Plus, Echo Plus, the Samsung Smart Things system. Sig. Sig. Oh, wow. Oh, Sengled, sorry. Sengled Smart Lights and Smart Locks from Yale. Harvard wisely stayed out of that. It. Yes, it's smart. It's a smart house. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this. Uh, something I thought this really would be uh, nothing I'd ever share with the listening audience, but uh, here it is in black, in black and white right here. News of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Fox News' own research team has warned colleagues not to trust some of the Fox News Channel's top commentators' remarks about Ukraine. Again with the Ukraine. An internal Fox News research briefing book obtained by the Daily Beast 
openly questions Fox News contributor John Solomon's credibility, accusing him of playing a, quote, indispensable role in a Ukrainian, quote, disinformation campaign. The document also accuses frequent Fox guest Rudy Giuliani of amplifying disinformation. Well, everybody needs a good amplifier. Heck. I didn't, I didn't, well, Derek would endorse that. Uh, as part of an effort to oust former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, and he blasts, or the document does, blasts Fox News guests Victoria Tensing and Joe DiGenova, both ardent Trump boosters, for, quote, spreading disinformation. What is this document? It's 162 pages long. It's entitled Ukraine Disinformation of the Trump Administration. It was created by Fox News senior political affairs specialist Brian Murphy, who produces research from what is known as the network's brain room. <laughs> it does sound like something out of an Adam Sandler movie. The brain room, a newsroom division of researchers who provide information, data, and topic guides for the network's programming. The research brief is especially critical of Solomon, a former opinion columnist at a newspaper called The Hill, whose opinion pieces about Ukraine made unsubstantiated claims about its government interfering in the 2016 U.S. election. Solomon's pieces for the Hill fueled Giuliani's efforts to dig up dirt in Ukraine, which eventually helped lead to President Trump's impeachment. He's still impeached. Trump has frequently cited Solomon's reporting on Twitter in his own defense. While Solomon is portrayed on Sean Hannity's show as a crusading, quote, investigative reporter, despite the Hill overtly branding him an opinion columnist, the Brain Room document accuses the contributor of taking part in a Ukrainian smear campaign. Elsewhere in the eternal brief, Murphy urges Fox News employees to focus on a wide range of alleged journalistic misdeeds from Solomon, including, quote, non-disclosure of conflicts of interest, use, use of unreliable sources, publishing false and misleading stories, misrepresentation of sources, and opaque coordination with involved parties, unquote. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, he's, so despite Solomon's reputation for questionable claims, he continued to be a fixture on Fox News, even as impeachment inquiry witness Lieutenant Colonel Vindman testified that all the elements of the columnist's supposed Ukraine reporting were false. The Hill did announce it would conduct a full review of Solomon's work. His last appearance on Fox was on Laura Ingram's show last Friday. The existence of the briefing book was first publicly flagged by Marcus D. Paola, a former freelance Fox News producer, Solomon, who wrote years ago for Newsweek, did not respond. Hey, I did that. You, you can't blame people for it. Did not respond to a request for comment. Neither did Giuliani, Tensing, nor DeGeneva. There's a brain room at Fox, ladies and gentlemen. You learn something every week, if the traffic will let you. And now, news of the land of... 15,000 princes are freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has used a secretive court established to try terrorism cases as, quote, a weapon of repression. Unquote, to imprison peaceful critics, activists, journalists, clerics, and minority Shiites, including some who were sentenced to death and executed. This is from a report by Amnesty International, brought to our attention by 
the Associated Press. The London-based rights organization, that is Amnesty, not the AP, although they have rights, examined court documents and spoke to activists and lawyers for its 53-page report, which sheds light on the secretive proceedings of the Specialized Criminal Court. The report found that trials before the court were, quote, a mockery of justice. Probably didn't even have witnesses. And its judges, quote, willing accomplices in suppressing those who dared speak up. Wow. Glad we don't have any of that. The uh, special secret court was established in 2008 to try terror-related crimes. Sound familiar? No, we're just doing it for the terrorism. And the court has started trying critics of the government way back in 2011 under broadly worded counterterrorism laws that criminalize acts such as insult- insulting King Salman and insulting the, pr- the crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. He's been Salman for a couple of years now. Amnesty said some of the common charges and proceedings included, quote, disobeying the ruler, questioning the integrity of officials, seeking to disrupt security and inciting disorder by calling for demonstrations, and disseminating false information to foreign groups. Those crimes, the latter crimes, can hinge on speaking to human rights groups or the rise of social media. Our our research gives lie to the shiny new reformist image Saudi Arabia is trying to cultivate, said the Amnesty Mideast and North Africa Regional Director, who said the uh, government used the special court to create a false aura of legality around its abuse of the counterterror law to silence its critics. When it was initially established, the special court only tried al-Qaeda suspects, but the shift came in mid-2011. Why, that same year, Arab Spring protests were showing up all over the region and threatening to upend Autocratic rule. We can't have that. The watchdog reached out to multiple official Saudi agencies during its investigation. The government's Human Rights Commission was the only one to respond, saying the special court follows the same laws, the same rules and procedures of other criminal courts. That's reassuring. And that all hearings before it were public, with defendants, their lawyers, and families present. However, Amnesty said it documented numerous cases of trials held in secret. Any attempted appealing the court's judgments were further conducted behind closed doors without the presence or participation of defendants or their lawyers. News of our uh, friend, the land of 15,000 princes, the freedom-loving folks in Saudi Arabia. There's one person, though, I, I know to whom that set up Probably sounds pretty good right now. Car accident? Injury at work? You want results, and you want them fast. Hi, I'm Mitch. Most injury lawyers wrap you up in months of delay-filled litigation. Sure, you might get a nice settlement at the end, but that's your life that's going by while you wait through a trial. Jury selection, witnesses, documents. Who's got the time for all that? That's why at my law firm, we cut to the chase. You might not get the biggest settlement, but you get it now, before, before the injuries, injuries turn, turn to memories. memories. At McConnell and McConnell, we're not trial lawyers. We're get-the-thing-done lawyers. If witnesses have something to say, they can say it at your check-signing ceremony. Mitch got the judge to skip almost the whole trial. I don't know how he does it. I entered and left the court for good on the same day 
thanks to Mitch. Thanks to the McConnell Law Firm's strategy of tight coordination with the defendant, you can focus on healing, not testifying. And Mitch passes the savings right back to you. So here's the pitch. Just call Mitch. McConnell and McConnell. Not licensed in all states. Your experience may vary. Testimonials by paid actors. Don't bitch. Call Mitch. He'll take the try out of trial. Well, we have technical difficulties right here. In the, we don't need traffic jams for that. Let's try this.
from the city that splits itself in half for you, New Orleans. I'm Harry Shearer. This is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He pees at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I said. The elimination of Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi last fall, remember that? Good times. Has not hindered the terror group's operations. That's according to a new Pentagon Inspector General's report on the assessment of our very own United States military. Thanks for your service, everybody. Dismiss? No. The U.S. Central Command and the Defense Intelligence Agency, what did they know? Both assessed that the October death of uh, al-Baghdadi in a U.S. operation in Syria has not resulted in any immediate degradation to ISIS capabilities, according to the Inspector General report. I'm going to bust him down to an inspector corporal before I'm... Sorry. I'm just upset. Uh, CENTCOM said that IS likely implemented an existing succession plan upon Baghdadi's death and continue to operate without interruption. Without, un- well, yeah, without an interruption. Not even an adjective to describe the interruption that it was without. The CENTCOM assessment that Baghdadi's death has not degraded IS capabilities is the latest sign that more work remains in the ongoing effort to defeat the terror group. And that high-level decapitation, ouch, may not be effective at eliminating the threat it continues to pose. Former CIA counterterrorism officer Douglas London recently criticized the president's, <laughs> president's obsession with celebrity terrorist targets, including Baghdadi, arguing it caused him to overlook other potential targets that might further advance the U.S. The US mission against extremist organizations. London served during the Trump administration before leaving the agency, wrote in an op-ed for Just Security that all U- U.S. targets to tar- U.S. efforts to target key IS leaders and operatives had preempted what might have been any number of devastating attacks. The president's lack of familiarity with their names made such efforts and their accomplishments less consequential to him. Instead, he argued the president's focus was on bringing down Baghdadi. CENTCOM told the Pentagon Inspector General's office that following Baghdadi's death, IS remained cohesive with an intact command and control structure, urban clandestine networks, and an insurgent presence in much of rural Syria. So he built it to last. News of Inspector General. That's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And let's get to the Apologies of the Week. Come on. We're so sorry. Well, speaking of Fox News, this is a Fox News affiliate. Maybe uh, no necessary association except the word. I don't think they're owned by Fox. Who would do that? Fox News affiliate Fox 24 in Charleston, South Carolina, issued an apology after a broadcast report about U.S. Senate candidate Jaime Harrison included a photo of a mugshot instead of one of Harrison. Anchor John Bruce told viewers Harrison was holding a meet-and-greet at a coffee shop. The photo that appeared on the screen was of the mugshot. The use of the photo prompted criticism from a state representative who tweeted it was unacceptable and required a formal apology. Harrison also criticized the blunder. 
wrote on Twitter it wasn't the first time he'd experienced casual discrimination. It's Casual Discrimination Friday. I'm deeply troubled by this error in judgment by a trusted news organization and expect better from Fox 24, Harrison wrote. What, you expect it to be a trusted news organization? When the photo appeared on the screen, the anchor said, that's not him. Fox 24 later tweeted the mix-up was due to a production error. Quote, we took the picture down and acknowledged the error on air. We apologize for the mistake. Unquote. Fox 24. I trust them more now. The assistant police chief of a tiny Alabama town has apologized for a Facebook post in which he suggested Nancy Pelosi could be targeted with a roadside bomb. Jeff Buckles, the assistant chief of the Geraldine Police Department, the name of the town is Geraldine, not the type of police, took to Facebook after Pelosi ripped up a copy of President Trump's State of the Union speech. That was very rippable paper, I must say. Pelosi just ripped up his speech, and Buckles spelled speech S-P-E-A-C-H. So he's a very trustworthy assistant police chief. He wrote in his public post, which since appears to have been deleted or removed from public view, quote, roadside bomb on our way home and any other Democrats. And by the way, roadside is, in his uh, rendering, two words. He later apologized in a follow-up post for, quote, venting on Facebook, saying his remarks, quote, definitely offended some people. It just rips my heart out that our great country is so divided. His apology continued. He was not available for comment. Geraldine is a tiny town in southern DeKalb County, about 50 miles southeast of Huntsville. Police force has three full-time and two part-time officers. Mayor Chuck Abels. (laughs) Buckles and Abels, what's going on there? said he and the police chief are still gathering information and will meet with the town's attorney to decide what to do next. Ain't that always the question? What to do next? The health minister of Thailand, Anutin Charnivarakul, thank you, apologized after saying that foreigners should be kicked out of Thailand for refusing to wear face masks. Sometimes they ban wearing face masks, sometimes they ban not wearing face masks. Well, those people make up the... Arutin made his initial remarks to reporters during his morning visit to Bangkok Central Shopping District to distribute masks to people in the area. Some tourists refused to accept the surgical masks, prompting his comments. He later apologized on his Facebook page for, quote, losing it, unquote. Tourism comprised about one-fifth of the Thai economy and has faced a slowdown after the new coronavirus prompted an 80% drop in Chinese visitors. There have been at least 25 confirmed cases in Thailand of patients being infected with the virus. There's also stuff being published saying that uh, surgical masks don't do much to help prevent the transmission of the disease. But don't ask me. There'll be a guy on this program perhaps next week whom I can ask on the subject. Tesco, back to apologies, Tesco, a British grocery chain that operates in multiple countries, but not where you live, told BuzzFeed News it has removed signs placed above tampons and other menstrual products that asked people to report shoplifting of these items in its store in Kensington, London. That's kind of a ritzy area. The signs caused mass uproar online when a shopper took a photo and sent it to a friend who shared it to Twitter. 
A spokesperson for the company added it is very sorry for any offense caused and claimed the depicted sign was placed in error. Where did you want it to be? Where was the right place to put it? Quote, help us build safer communities, report shoplifting to a member of staff, the sign said. A London resident first took the photo and sent it to his friend, Una Ryder. She took issue. Signs like these encourage ordinary people to be suspicious and resentful toward their neighbors rather than be angry about the root causes of someone needing to shoplift menstrual products, Ryder told BuzzFeed News. BuzzFeed News. Doesn't sound like the United States, does it? Quote, the U.K. has very high levels of inequality, with increasing numbers of people unable to afford basic necessities, she went on. Shoplifting isn't the problem, said one Twitter user. Going on to discuss what the problem was. In response, Tesco says it's very much aware of the inequalities people who menstruate face when it comes to their sanitary products. People who... I believe I can identify people who menstruate. We want everyone to feel welcome on our stores and are very sorry for any offense caused. Online people said if they were ever considering reporting people who steal menstrual health products out of need, now they're looking the other way. Yep, it's not the USA. George Washington University's president has apologized for comments the university described as an insensitive example used in conversation with a student. Quote, yesterday in a conversation with a student, he's quoting himself. No, he, I attempted to emphasize a point and use an insensitive example that I realized could be hurtful to members of our community said the university's president, Thomas LeBlanc. Wasn't he in... Oh, no. I deeply apologize for using that example. The point I was making, that majority rule should never suppress the human rights of others, was obscured by the example I used. I regret my choice of words and any harm I had unintentionally inflicted on a community I value greatly, unquote. LeBlanc's statement didn't spell out exactly what he'd said, but the student newspaper reported his comments were captured in a video. That was... Uh, posted to a Facebook page. Okay, enough pl- plugs for Facebook today. The video shows a waist-level shot. Someone identifying herself as a student approaches someone who acknowledges he's the president and proceeds. she proceeds to ask him about several things, including a controversial research center criticized for ties to the fossil fuel industry. At one point, she asked whether LeBlanc would shut down the center if a majority of students supported such a move. He says the center was a legitimately founded academic organization and he cited academic freedom. He continued, quote, what if the majority of students agreed to shoot all the black people here, he said in the video. Do I say, oh, well, the majority voted? No, in this country we have rights, unquote. The environmental activist group Sunrise GW identified the student involved as one of its members. Yeah, a little insensitive there. A little bit. Just a, just a tad. Dadeline Des Moines, here we go, with the Iowa Apologies. The chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party, Tom Price, apologized for the delay in delivering caucus results. After party officials found the uh, error, they decided to enter data from precincts manually, that is to say once a year, which has resulted in a lengthy delay in announcing the results. According to Price's statement, all the data collected by the app was sound, but was only report but the app was only reporting partial data. And uh, Price also maintained the Democratic Party systems are secure. That really wasn't our question at the at this point, and were not hacked by a third party. Sir, you know what the 
what the solution is. More data, more data. We need more data. Come on, more data, more data, huh? Get some data for me. More data, more data, more data. We need more, more. Maybe just get a, give everybody a pencil and a piece of paper and write down the thing and then add them up on a thing. The at, app maker at the heart of those reporting issues has issued an apology as well and vowed to, quote, apply lessons learned in the future. We sincerely regret the delay in the reporting of the results of last night's Iowa caucuses and the uncertainty it has caused to the candidates, their campaigns, and Democratic caucus goers. The tech firm Shadow wrote on Twitter. Shadow wrote on Twitter. You send, somebody who just woke up after 20 years sleep would not understand that sentence. Shadow admits for the first time the app was the company's creation. As the Iowa Democratic Party has confirmed, the underlying data and collection process via Shadow's mobile caucus app was sound and accurate, but our process to transmit that caucus results data generated via the app to the party was not. The issue did not uh, affect the underlying caucus results data, he said. It was just a transmission. The data was perfectly, if you could get it, if you could crawl inside the app, there's the data right there waiting for you. Shadow received more than $60,000, sorry, more than 63000 It's going up from the Iowa Democratic Party, according to a Democratic Party consultant, tech consultant. How much do you have to pay to get an app that works? Oh, well, now you're talking six figures, buddy. Dayline Lansing, Michigan, Ingham County Prosecutor Carol Seaman released a statement apologizing for her interview with the local newspaper in which she stated she would not be reviewing or that she would be reviewing older cases for the possibility of parole where people were sentenced to life without parole. She called her earlier interview with the local paper premature. I regret I did not fully take into account the impact on victims and their families when I prematurely discussed the concept of reviewing older cases of life without parole, she said. And finally, a bug in Google's photo software caused potentially 100,000 or more folks to have their personal videos exposed to complete strangers last Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Google began notifying customers that a bug in its data archiving tool takeout was to blame for some accounts having their private videos shared with total strangers. Gives takeout a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Unfortunately, during this time, some videos in Google Photos were incorrectly exported to unrelated user archives, Google said. One or more videos in your Google Photos account was affected by this issue. Have a nice... No, they didn't. They claimed the issue only impacted a small portion of users, about 0.01%. Google has more than 1 billion Photos users... So that's still in a range of 100,000 or more users who had their private photos taken out. Take out as a download service that Google offers to users who want to take their business elsewhere. When exporting the data, it appears on occasion some customers were presented with video footage from other users. These users may have received either an incomplete archive or videos, not photos, that were not theirs. We fixed the underlying issue and have conducted an in-depth analysis to help prevent this from ever happening again. We are very sorry this happened, unquote Google. Google could not say what measures it would take 
for those whose images were inadvertently shared by the glitch. Oh, well, that. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Funny old game This thing we call love No one explains It has two faces I wish you the best I wish you the worst Pity and shame Forgiveness and blame, a kiss and then a curse. The trust of words, the gentlest of touch. Or oh, they live side by side, and sometimes that is almost enough. Happy today Tomorrow Who knows I'll threaten to Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it, it, it seems already like a long time ago that uh, the United States Senate, the world's greatest deliberative body, let me just say that, and thank you, senators, for your service, um, voted uh, along party lines except for one guy, Mitt Romney, to uh, throw out, to, to uh, acquit. Let's just put it the way it should be acquit. Uh, acquit <laughs> President Trump from uh, the, the two articles of impeachment that had been sent down by the House, or sent up. Um, the president wasted no time in um, unburdening himself. He seemed to have been burdened, according to him, to him during uh, recent weeks. I don't think any of the rest of us noticed, but he wasted no time in unburdening himself of his feelings about the whole thing, the whole schmear. 
He calls it a hoax. I call it a schmear, you know, just ethnic differences. But in uh, one of his first statements to a group of supporters at the White House, he started his pronunciamento this way. We had the witch hunt. It started from the day we came down the elevator. That's just how traumatic this whole impeachment schmear has been for him. He forgot it was an escalator. Uh, the week ended with the president... <laughs> the president starting what may be a campaign of vindictive retaliation, firing two of the government officials who testified in the impeachment hearings. He's feeling in his oats. And moments from now, you'll hear exactly what I mean by that. One of those days, ladies and gentlemen, he's feeling his oats. Vinman testified against me. He can eat his purple heart out. Sondland gave a million to my inauguration. A misleading way to start out. Jovanovich is next in line. She's gonna wish she took up knitting. She's gonna go through some things. Now that I've got my acquitting. Romney is such a phony. He once begged me for a job. Now he's peddling such baloney. Pandering to some crazy mob. Anyone can guess his story. His little problem with his equipment. Now I'm free to say more than I know. Thanks to my equipment. Freaking hard as my acting chief of staff. He was trying to be so faithful, it almost made me laugh. Now it's his turn in the barrel. He's gonna miss his pittance. He just bored me something bad now I'm liberated by my acquittance Nixon he had his enemies list but he left the job half done could say I'm on a mission My mind is set on stun 
My pathetic staff is warning me against anger laced with spittle. I can't even hear them now. After my acquittal. Going after everyone who pulled a double cross. They were so freaking stupid. They tried to bust the boss. Love to fire Pelosi. Kick her out from where she's sitting. They tell me. Can't do that even after my acquitting. When you cross me, I remember. When you serve me, I forget. They say I. Learned a lesson. I haven't learned one yet. I wake up every morning so angry and so brittle. But screw all that. It's payback time. Ever since my acquittal. And now, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. You. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. You know where microplastics are being found now? Sewage sludge. The kind that's used in place of. Uh, chemical fertilizers on farms, at least in Britain. The uh, British Environment Agency report warns about this. About 3.6 million tons of sewage sludge, known as biosolids, is reprocessed for farmers' use every year. The practice has boomed within the last 20 years. The report highlights that in 1998, the government of the UK banned water firms from dumping the sewage at sea because it would threaten marine life. Farmers are entitled to use the biosolids as an alternative to manufactured fertilizers. They play a significant role in enhancing soil quality and soil fertility, but concerns have been raised that the sludge could be contaminating farmland with creeping, if not racing, levels of microplastics, as well as metals and organic pollutants. The report was completed in 2017, only made public now. Hmm. due to a Freedom of Information Act request. It says the uh, composition of the sludge... Well, who's the composer? Would be the question. I, the composition of the sludge has changed over the years. It explains that the number of pollutants which may pose a risk to human health and the wider environment has expanded. There's your growth. There's your, there's your expanding economy. It adds that microplastics could be harming soil ecosystems of crops either directly or through hormone-disrupting substances. The agency which commissioned the report says it is currently working on a 
sludge strategy, which is due to be published later this year. We are all on tenterhooks for that. And what is a tenter, anyway? Oh, I see. Microplastics are accumulating. This also from on the other side of the pond. Microplastics are accumulating in Orkney's seagrass beds at much higher rates than in the areas surrounding them. Marine scientists from Harriet Watt University surveyed a seagrass bed in Orkney or a part of it and found microplastics on all seagrass blades and in over 94% of all samples collected. One of the scientists involved in the research said seagrasses are very sensitive habitats and perform a number of critical functions. They uh, review the latest move. Not, not that, that kind of critical. They bind and characterize the shoreline, create habitats for other species, and protect them from predators. Every blade of seagrass we examined had microplastic flakes, fibers, or fragments sticking or adhering to it. Would you like your microplastics in flakes or fibers? The average number of microplastics found in the sea snails and other grazing creatures in the seagrasses match the average number on the grass blades themselves. This suggests that seagrass grazers may be exposed to more microplastics than sediment-dwelling organisms. I always like the sound of sediment-dwelling anyway. The research was published in the Marine Pollution Bulletin, ladies and gentlemen. One word microplastics. And um, now news of our friend the Adam. Where would you think would be a good place to uh, locate a dump? A long-term dump for highly radioactive waste. How about where indigenous people live? In what's referred to as Canada's plan, the Nuclear Waste Management Organization is looking for a place to bury 4.8 million bundles of used nuclear fuel. The NWMO, which is a consortium of Canadian nuclear industry players created by an act of parliament, huh, is looking for a community willing to allow used nuclear fuel to be placed in what's called a deep geological repository, a DGR. You know it as a DGR, don't you? Currently, the group is engaging with Ignas, Ontario. That's a small community northwest of Thunder Bay, as well as the municipality of South Bruce on Lake Huron, northwest of Toronto. Indigenous communities in both those areas are being courted and having the DGR concept pitched to them by the NWMO. Indigenous engagement is a major focus at the NWMO. We read in this piece by APTN News. That's the original People's Television Network. The um, NWMO has put on an eight-part video series on reconciliation. And uh, it is employing a longtime player in indigenous politics as their vice president of indigenous relations. He told the news organization he's confident enough in the science that he'd be okay with a DGR in his own backyard. Remember the guys who used to drink pesticide to prove that it was safe? What happened? Oh, from a safety point of view, I feel really good about living on top of where a DGR is because I'm convinced of the safety case, he said. But they're not going to put it in his yard. 
Canada is expected to have the bundles of used fuel to dispose of by the time the project is completed. It's more than a mere hole in the ground. Proponents sometimes bristle a little when it gets referred to as a dump. It would cost $17.7 billion for the vast underground facility. Highly engineered mega project might be a better description. It needs to protect radioactive waste from water because water could potentially bring the deadly radioactive material back into contact with the environment. The NWMO says it hopes to have identified a willing host community. How desperate are they for a deep geological repository by 2023? We direct them to the piece we aired last week about newly discovered corrosion possibilities in the materials being used for the containers of the spent nuclear fuel. you got to spend it somewhere. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, News of the warm, the contiguous United States is in the midst of the warmest winter on record. According to the NOAA, a sobering picture that adds more evidence to the case for climate change-driven warming. Out of the more than 3,000 counties and county equivalents, like parishes in the lower 48, not a single one had a temperature significantly below below the 20th century average for the three-month period, wrote uh, Bob Henson of the Weather Underground. The vast majority of counties came in well above average. Now, you remember when that used to be a good thing? NOAA published its monthly climate report for January 2020, but uh, Hansen crunched the numbers from November and December and found the average temperature was 35.9 degrees Fahrenheit, topping the same period in 2005. It's also 4.5 degrees higher than the average for the entire 20th century. For January alone, the average temperature was 5.5 degrees above the 20th century average, the fifth warmest ever recorded, the ninth consecutive January with temperatures at least nominally above the 20th century average for the month, according to NOAA. The East Coast in particular, I don't want to hear any bitching from the East Coast, they experienced warmer than average temperatures. Many records fell on January 11th when Boston, no, the next day, Boston saw a high of 74 degrees in mid-January. That's not the Boston I knew. The warmer than average temperatures have had an impact on the Great Lakes, where ice cover was only 35% of average in January. Don't go skating on those lakes no more, kids. The lack of ice in the Great Lakes could impact the lake's thermal structure with ripple effects reaching the flora and fauna that traditionally thrive in the world's largest freshwater system, which is the Great Lakes. Half, uh, lake Erie is usually half frozen by the end of January. Currently, 0.04 frozen. The only area of the United States experiencing something close to a traditional winter, you guessed it, Alaska. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. It's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a miracle the show happened, and the miracle will happen again next week at the same time over these same stations 
and on your audio device of choice. Hey, Alexa, knock it off whenever you want it. And be just like swimming in the streets if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. Typical show chapeau to the San Diego desk, as well as to Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for help. And boy, did we need help with today's broadcast. Love to hear your feedback here at the show. Who's we? You can use the email thing, which you'll find at harryshearer.com, along with the music playlist for the shows and a chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, t-sheets. And uh, you can also tweet at me. I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Join the conversation. comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station for the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the city split in half. <laughs> <laughs>